Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I want to talk with you today about sensory seekers and how we handle that in our home. In our house, we have several kids who have sensory processing disorder and they tend to be on the side of sensory seeking. So I want to share with you some resources today that I have found to be extremely helpful in helping my kids to meet their sensory needs. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Special Kind of Motherhood podcast. This podcast is for moms who are parenting differently abled children. Maybe you desire to switch to a more natural lifestyle to improve your family's health, but you have no idea where to start. You're longing for more routines and time, but every time you try to implement those tips that you've spent hours researching, you realize that they don't work for your family dynamics. Hi, I'm Ashley. In this podcast, we will focus on implementing routines, switching to a more natural lifestyle, and uprooting those old mindsets that are keeping you stuck so that you can plant yourself firmly in the truth that Jesus offers you. Our focus will be on creating small, customizable changes that will build upon one another over time to create real impact in your life. If you want to hear from a mama who has been raising several children with special needs and who knows how important it is to do this in a way that's sustainable and that doesn't add to your overwhelm, then this is the podcast for you. Pop in those earbuds, reheat that coffee for the third time, and let's go. So first off, I do want to just share something that I have found to be very beneficial for me over the years. And this is not an actual tool or anything like that, but it's something that I have just, it's a truth, I guess I would say, that I have come to realize over the years that has given me, uh, allowed me, I guess I would say, to have a lot of grace for myself and just given my children the freedom to be who they are in this area of really needing that sensory input. And the thing that I want to say is that a lot of times whenever you have children who have sensory processing disorder, they, for instance, with my kids, because they are sensory seekers, they tend to do a lot of things that sometimes people don't approve of. They can be judgmental of, you know, they are climbers, they're jumpers, they like to run, they're loud. And a lot of times if you are around people who are not used to that environment, they are not understanding what is going on then they really can misunderstand your children and they can think that your child is disobedient, that they're not listening. There are just so many different assumptions that people can make about your kids and they're assuming that it's something that they are doing or it's a failure on your part as a parent. And I just want to remind you that that is not true. It is okay if your child is a sensory seeker. It does not mean that you are a failure. It does not mean that your child is a bad kid or anything like that. I really struggled with that for years because we would go places and my children were. They were loud. They were climbing. They were jumping. They're boys on top of being sensory seekers. They want that physical activity and they are looking to do these things like climbing, jumping, running. They talk loudly. All of these things and a lot of times it would leave me feeling like I was failing as a parent And sometimes it even led to people making comments about them. And that, of course, made me feel even more insecure until I had this happen where we do yearly evaluations with our occupational therapist. And it was about the time I had had several of the kids evaluated all around the same time. And she came out to me and she just we were just chatting back and forth about how it had gone, the improvements we had seen from the year before. And I remember that she said to me, you have a family full of sensory seekers, and I don't know how you keep up with them all day long. She asked me, like, do you have a lot of equipment and stuff for them to climb on and just get their energy out? And I said, yeah, we basically have a playground in our backyard. But, you know, it was just one little comment from her, but it actually provided me with such a sense of relief because I finally realized that it was not a failure on my part as a mom that my kids had 
these needs. And it wasn't as if I was not providing or guiding them enough and so they were acting out. It was actually a need that they had that needed to be met. It was not a fault on their part. It was not a fault on my part. It just, it was what it was. And there was nothing wrong with it. Yes, it did mean that we had to make some adaptations and that I, you know, have to be a little bit more sensitive about where they're at before we go to certain places. Like, are they already kind of wound up? Can I take them outside for a while to get some energy out? It does require extra planning and awareness on my part. But again, that's not a bad thing. It's not bad that this is how my kids are programmed and wired. It's not bad that this is what they need. It does, however, mean that I do have to approach life and making sure that they are getting that sensory input in a different manner than those around me. Like I said, it means being more aware of the fact that, hey, if I'm wanting to go to this event and I'm hoping that they are going to be okay, then I need to make sure they have not had any screen time. I need to make sure that they have played outside quite a bit. And I need to make sure that they are well fed and that blood sugars are balanced out. And that has really helped me to just understand and to give myself the grace that even whenever people will make comments, because we all know people will make comments, people who don't desire to take the time to understand, they're always going to make comments. But what it has helped me with is it has given me the freedom to just let them roll off my back. I don't have to let someone else's opinion of me or of my kids who has not taken the time to understand us define who I know that they are and who I know that I am. And so I just want to offer you that little bit of encouragement first and foremost before I get into these tools, because I actually think that while all of these resources are great, that single statement made by our occupational therapist was really freeing for me. And if I can offer someone else that same freedom of realizing you're not a failure, it's not your fault. It's not your child's fault either. It just is the way that their brain is wired and it's okay. And it's great to try to figure out ways to help them to get those needs, those sensory needs met and to be very aware and sensitive to what's going on, especially when you have plans to go places. But again, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean failure. So just rest in that and know that it's okay. So with this list, I believe I have 12 different resources that I have used or currently use in our home. And what I want to say with this is just the fact that this is something that's going to be very customized for your child. It is going to take, honestly, what it has taken me is years to figure out for each child and a lot of trial and error. And I just want to say that I think that the goal has to be going into it is understanding that this is really you learning your child Being very aware, being very watchful, figuring out what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what do they respond positively to, what seems like it's making it worse. You kind of have to be a detective. And the good thing for me is I am very much a people observer. I'm very sensitive to people's attitudes and actions and their facial expressions around me. And so that has been very beneficial for me because I tend to be very sensitive and attuned to what's going on with my children. And so I want to encourage you as you go through this, especially as I'm giving 12 different resources, that can feel a little bit overwhelming. So just start with one and then just be very watchful and mindful and see what kind of changes are you seeing in your child, changes for the better, no changes at all, or some for the worse, and then move on from there and try to figure out what is actually going to work for your child. I also highly recommend if you have a child with SPD, if they are going to an occupational therapist, Go talk to your occupational therapist and ask them because they know your child 
very well. And they're going to be able to really help you to kind of pinpoint and narrow down faster what it is that might work for your child. And they're not going to be able to maybe tell you everything that would work, but they're going to be able to point you in the right direction whenever they see, is your child a sensory seeker or a sensory avoider? What is it that maybe they have some resources that they are using in therapy that they can share with you? I always recommend really partnering with the therapists that are working with your child to come up with a game plan together to communicate so that you're all working on the same thing, you're on the same page. That has really helped us throughout the years of really just becoming friends and of of working with the therapists that work with my children because that means that we're kind of giving that united front and giving our my children the best care possible. Okay, so number one for me is that we do try to limit screen time. I do have a couple of episodes um, previously about screen time and why we do this, and I will link those below, but that absolutely has a direct effect on my children and their overstimulation and just their ability to focus and also their ability to sleep. So limiting screen time is a very, very important one for us. Number two would be that I try to have like relaxing or praise music in the background playing, especially not all the time, but especially when things are feeling very chaotic and my children are very wound up, then I'm having either praise and worship music or some kind of relaxing piano music playing in the background in my home. And I do very frequently notice a difference in my children being able to settle whenever I do choose to be intentional about getting some kind of relaxing music on. Number three for me would be like an oral sensory toy. We've had several different kinds. There are some that you can get on Amazon. I will see if I can find it and link it below, but it's just like a rubber chew toy, basically. I think they're called chewies. I can't remember exactly. We have used those throughout the years and found them to be very helpful, especially whenever you have a child who really wants that oral sensory input. And, I, you know, they also make them in necklaces and just tons of different varieties, different shapes, things like that. I We've also had bracelets before, I believe. There's just a lot of variety that you can get with that that I have found to be very helpful. Number four would be weighted blankets. For us, this can be hit or miss. I have a child who can't stand the blankets, really loves like tight hugs and and things like that, but cannot stand blankets. So while it would be beneficial for him to have the blanket, he just won't tolerate it. And then I have another child who it works very well for. So again, it's getting to know your specific children and their needs. But I have found that that can be very helpful. To be honest, I have found it very helpful for myself. I have a a weighted neck wrap that you can heat up or cool down that I love. It really helps me because I carry a lot of stress in my shoulders, as a lot of us do. And it really helps me to have that weight on my shoulders. I will do that, honestly, a couple times a day, and it relaxes me a lot. So I absolutely understand why it is helping my children. It really helps to calm the nervous system down. So I've just found it to be very beneficial. We have a couple of weighted blankets in our house, and I love them. I want a giant one for my bed, but maybe at some point I'll get one. Okay, number five would be, we actually have, I'll try to link this below too, because it's kind of hard to explain, but it is an inflatable sensory pod. So you just blow it up, and it honestly looks like a canoe, but it comes together kind of narrow, so a child can sit down in it. And again, for my, it works well for my child who does not like blankets, but he can get down in it, and it's still giving him that snug feeling without the, the blanket. And so that has been very beneficial for him as well. And I will link it below just so you can get a look at what it is I'm talking about. Number six is swings. Oh my goodness, swings have been such a lifesaver in our home. 
We have swings outside. We have swings inside. My husband has put holes in the ceiling and mounted them to studs or whatever he does in order for us to have swings in our home. And it has helped my children so much to be able to regulate, to self-regulate. They can go to a room and they can swing whenever they are getting overwhelmed. And that's the goal is for our children to learn how to self-regulate. And so we always have some kind of swing or pod or something inside of our house, especially because a lot of times if it's raining outside and I can't, my kids can't get outside to get rid of some energy and climb and jump, then they tend to struggle more. So having something inside the house has been very, very beneficial for us. Okay, number seven is we have the little wiggle seats. So you can put those in a chair or something like that. This is really helpful if you're wanting a child to sit for a while and they're struggling with sitting. Sometimes getting those inflatable wiggle seats will help them to be able to actually sit and focus even just for a short period of time. That can be very beneficial for schoolwork or reading time or things like that. Uh, number eight would be like a spin toy. And so these there are so many different types of spin toys you can get. But a lot of kids really crave that spinning sensation. I had one child who really, really wanted that vestibular input. And so spinning, he loved. And we for there was a period of time, he doesn't really need that as much now. But there was a period of time where we always had a spin toy available because it really helped him again with that regulation, that self-regulation. He could go get on the toy and get that vestibular input that he needed while just sitting on that spin toy. And then number nine would be climbing toys. I will say this is something we only have outside right now. My husband and I would love to get some some kind of climbing toy inside of our house. Um, but because of space, we just have not been able to figure out the logistics of that yet. But especially for like the rainy season and the winter season, it would really help my sanity if my children had the ability to have a specific designated area where they could climb. And there are specific climbing toys you can get inside. We just have not been able to do that yet. But we do have a lot of different areas and climbing toys outside that they can get on and just get that kind of sensory input as they need it. Number 10 for us would be water toys. I have a lot of kids who love water play. It's a great sensory activity for them. It's something they really love and enjoy. I am all about water safety. And so having things, we don't have like a a deep pool or anything like that. We actually have an inflatable it's like a big, giant, inflatable water slide that has a very shallow pool in the bottom that we got from Sam's Club. We, t- you know, we've had water tables, things like that. A sprinkler is a great option as well. What I have really found to be helpful for my kids is that they really like the, something that collects water and then they have like buckets. So what my kids actually do is I have some um, watering pitchers that I use for the garden. And what they like to do is they actually use the the little pool at the bottom of our water slide to fill up the pitchers and then they go water plants. But they really just like that ability of being able to find something that's collected water and then they can scoop it out and then play with it that way. And so I have noticed for my kids specifically a sprinkler. I mean, it might be fun for about five minutes and then it's kind of the fun has worn off and then they're ready to move on to something else where if I can find something that collects water on a scale that I feel safe with them playing in while I'm out there, They just tend to be entertained a lot longer by that. Number 11 would be a sand pit or a sandbox, anything like that. My kids love playing in sand. They love playing in dirt. They love to be able to dig, to throw it around. They get it in their hair (laughs) and it's a giant mess to clean up. But it is a great sensory activity for them. And it is something obviously we only have when we're outside. And that's the thing with some of these, 
the problem is you're only going to be able to do some of these outside. And so I do think being intentional about also trying to find some activities or some different things to do while you're inside, especially for those rainy seasons or those winter months, is so important for their ability to feel regulated and to be able to focus. And honestly, if you're home with your kids all day, it is for your own sanity too. And I'm sure if you know, you know. And then number 12 for me would be the garden. And the reason for this is because there are so many different activities that they can do in the garden that provide them some kind of sensory input. So this could be things like watering, like I mentioned earlier. They will collect water in their little pitchers and then they go around and they water plants back and forth. Of course, that's also giving them that input as they're carrying the weight of the water, which can also be that giving them that sensory input as well. They're carrying that jug of water around and then they're dumping it over and they're watering the plants and walking back and forth. And then another thing would be digging in the dirt. They love to, like I mentioned earlier, dig in sand, dig in dirt. Whenever we let them help us plant different plants, they love getting to dig and then put the plant in and cover it up with dirt. They're also getting the opportunity to do like shoveling. We have small little garden tools, kid garden tools that they can use out there. They can shovel. They can use their little rake to rake along as we are raking things. It just gives them a lot of movement and sensory input. And so, of course, I'm going to add the garden on my list because if you've listened for any length of time, you know that I love the garden. So that is my list of 12 things. And I would love to know if you have anything that you would add to the list. We have our free Facebook community that I will share in the show notes below and that I would love to have you come over there and share with us. If you have a resource that you love to use to help your child with sensory processing disorder, please come share with all of us. I am all about sharing with each other, learning from each other, and just helping each other as we go along this journey of parenting our differently abled kids. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and I will see you back next time. Hey, before you go, if you found value in today's episode or you learned something new, would you take a minute to share with someone else that you know would be blessed by it? I would also love it if you would leave me a review. This lets me know that you're enjoying the show and I love hearing from you. You can connect with me further over on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constantly in prayer. Romans 12, 12.